And so I think I think the Holy Spirit uh, is probably much more after leaning into in the environment that He's called you into, and then figuring out what works there, and then birth something new that may look different than the clone churches that you may have even been a part of. I know that's been our story. This is Equip and Engage, a podcast by Subsplash, exploring how ministry, technology, and innovation come together to equip churches around the world to engage their communities. Hi, and welcome to today's show, where we are going to be talking about how to connect with your context and why that's important for your ministry. I'm your host today, Carolyn Farney. I am joined by a fellow Subsplash teammate and really our resident pastor, Justin Tarsic. <laughs> Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Carolyn. It's great to be here. Hi, everybody. So Justin, his role here at Subsplash is over strategic partnerships. So he handles conferences, our events, also relationships with denominations around the country. And some fun facts about him. He's actually been in pastoral ministry for over 20 years in churches of all different sizes and different cities here in the country. So we've been excited to have him. And he and his wife started a church here in Seattle over a year ago. And you've been just right in the thick of what we're talking about today of knowing your context. And so I thought maybe you could start us off with just how, why you're passionate about this subject, why this is something that is important for people in ministry to, to consider. Yeah, thanks, Carolyn. I love this, this topic of connecting with, with your context. And what does that mean to actually lean in and listen to what your neighborhood actually needs? Um, you know, if we want to get really scriptural here at the beginning as the resident pastor here yes, at Subsplash, please, please. Um, Jesus has asked a really poignant question in Mark chapter 12. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the question is, uh, what is the greatest commandment? And he responds, uh, first, it's love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think there's a, a nuanced part that we sometimes miss in, 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 our, in, in our Western context where we've reduced this to love God, love people. But that's actually not what Jesus said. He said, love God and love your neighbor. And the reason that's different is because if we are going just to love people, we can try to make prescriptions for problems that we see at large societal levels and miss the nuanced versions of that in the neighborhoods and cities that God has called us to. And so if we're going to love our neighbor, we have to first know our neighbor. We have to first know what our neighbor needs. We have to know what pain points our neighbors have. We need to know what matters to our neighbor. And therefore, we go out and start building ministries to address those things that our neighbor needs, not just what the general society needs. Yeah, absolutely. And reminds me of this conversation we were having earlier, too, around even just the difference between just cloning a church and actually birthing a church. Yeah, I think we've gotten really good about cloning churches. And and I say that with a lot of respect and humility. Sure. There's a lot of great systems and programs that work and environments where we see contemporary ministry thriving and flourishing. The danger of that is, if we're not careful, though, is that we start to adopt systems and structures that don't really meet the needs of our neighborhood because it works somewhere else. And so I think I think the Holy Spirit uh, is probably much more after leaning into in the environment that he's called you into and then figuring out what works there and then birth something new that may look different than the clone churches that you may have even been a part of. I know that's been our story. We've been a part of a lot of great churches, my wife and I, over the years. Um, But when we came to this specific neighborhood here in Seattle, we had to approach it differently because the needs were so much different than even what we expected when we came back. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some ways that we can start learning 
how to connect with our context? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, how do we do this well? Uh, first of all, I think it's an interesting thing to say that Jesus, God himself, was in a neighborhood for 30 years and <laughs> nobody knew he was there uh, exactly. at all. It wasn't exactly. until his, you know, his grand messianic reveal and his ministry was launched that people started taking notice. But for 30 years, I wonder how much of the context that God himself was leading into. Mm. What matters uh, yeah. to, to my fellow uh, Jews at the time in Israel? We're in, we're in Roman op- oppressed territory. Uh, you know, Territory. What kind of pain points are people experiencing? And what are some of the things that are really needed? And now I can go out and start making a difference because I've immersed myself in the place that God has sent me to. Yeah, that humanity of Jesus really reflected there. Yeah, and so there's there's a lot of uh, ways to do this. I think the first thing is listen. Uh, have conversations with people. Let's not make assumptions. You know, one of our values here at Subsplash is humility. And I think that plays into ministry extraordinarily well. So uh, because we, we want to humble ourselves, not assume that we know what's happening, but to actually listen and have conversations conversations with people. What's life like for you today? Uh, What kind of artifacts are in the neighborhood? In in other words, what kind of things represent your neighborhood? If you could walk around your neighborhood and distill some of the values or or ideas into actual physical things that you could carry, what do those artifacts look like? And then how do you begin shaping your ministry and shaping, uh, you know, how you want to reach people around some of those ideas? Uh, Because the reality is God is already moving in the neighborhood. Right. If, if we're embracing humility, it's I think it would be it's it's dangerously arrogant for us to come in and say we're going to start something the world has never seen. <laughs> OK, well, I, yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Sure. I wonder if God's actually already at work, maybe for decades in the neighborhood he's called you to. Another way to learn your context is to find those people that God is already working through, whether they're believers or not and to see what can we do to partner and join with what God's already doing. Those are effective ways to start reaching your context. Yeah, I love that kind of joining with people there in the neighborhood and even just the finding tangible artifacts. That That's great. So what's the risk, Justin, of not knowing your context? That's a great question. Um, I think, uh, number one, uh, being ineffective, I think, is a huge risk. Uh, losing relevance. Um, even be the ability to uh, to build trust. I think we lose trust with people when we don't lean into our context and show that we understand what they're going through. But I think the greatest danger, honestly, is that we can end up hurting the people that we mm. feel that God has called us to help. Um, if I can share a story. Sure, please. I remember when my wife and I moved from Los Angeles to Brooklyn to start pastoring a community in, in, in downtown Brooklyn. And um, we had moved from an environment, uh, a church that had actually won awards, and we worked with people on our teams who were very influential reaching our civil servants. So you think of law enforcement and fire departments and local councils and things like this had a very strong reach in, in many different uh, parts of that, of, of that environment. When we moved to Brooklyn, our first thought was, well, let's replicate this. It worked really great in Los Angeles. Um, so we reached out to the police department and uh, started to build a relationship. And then we stood up on the platform one Sunday with a big smile on our face and announced to our community this new partnership. And what we failed to recognize was the brewing tensions between law enforcement and urban communities. And we completely stepped into a landmine that we were unprepared for and started uh, touting stuff that was actually hurting people who had had experiences with this very subject. And uh, to our congregation's credit, um, and we were new pastors there, they graciously and correctly pulled us aside and started to school us on what it actually meant uh, and the implications that were uh, that were caused by by our grand announcements and by our ideology. And we had to humble ourselves and begin to change, recognizing that the way that we thought we could love, and even with good intentions, we're trying to love people, yeah. we were ineffectively loving the neighborhood that God has called us to. And we had to make a change. Yeah, what I love about that, I mean, even just the humility of, you know, there are so many times and so many 
probably of us that can relate in that situation where you go in with good intentions, unbeknownst of maybe circumstances or other things, and you find your foot in your mouth and, and then just graciously being able to, to, you know, whether it's apologize or, or ask for forgiveness or, but even just being able to, to keep moving forward. And uh, an example that comes to my mind from a, a pastor that in a more affluent side of the city and really had a heart, good intentions to be able to help those that were 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 poor and, and just in need and really had some area pastors in that neighborhood say, hey, you're hurting our neighborhood more than you're helping it right now and that you're taking these kids out of the neighborhood and they're growing up and they're going to your church and they're leaving the neighborhood altogether. And with humility, being able to to see oh, that is not what I was intending to do and being able to make those shifts that are needed to be able to, okay, how do I come alongside and actually help this neighborhood thrive? And like you had mentioned earlier, support the the ministries and things that God was doing um, there, there already. So yeah, because what if we take the assumption that God is already working in a neighborhood? Sure. And then He's already been there for decades, working through people to make a change. And then we, if we're not careful, we parachute into an environment that God has called us to and actually disrupt that work that God has already been doing on the ground. Yeah, that's really good. And even a conversation I had with a pastor that, I mean, really very good intentions of wanting to come into a city and really help those that were hurting and poor. And his church was on a more affluent side of town. And really the leaders and pastors in that neighborhood came and said that exact same thing. You're mm. you're hurting our neighborhood more than you're helping it and that you're taking these kids out of the neighborhood. And while, while helping them, they're growing up and going to, to your church and they're leaving the neighborhood altogether. And so with a lot of humility, even just, I mean, it was something he, he didn't even see. He, he wasn't even attuned to it, but then being able to make that shift back of, okay, well, how do I, you know, come into this neighborhood and learn it and, and, uh, and really assist the, the leaders that are there too. Yeah. So, I think that's, I think that's great. Again, this goes back to this. Are we just loving people at large or are we loving our neighbor? And that's a, I think that's a big distinction. Yeah, so really as we move into just tools and resources for a mm. moment, can you elaborate on what some of those, uh, what's, what some helpful ones are? Yeah, I think that's great. So uh, a couple of tools, um, you know, again, we're talking about large societal shifts as well as that are things that are happening in your direct context. So while, there, while every context may vary uh, from space to space, I'll tell you one of the tools that actually is rapidly becoming more important than I think people give credit is just the, how's your website? And so again, we're talking about local, localized neighborhood ministry, but we're also talking about shifts that our society is making across the board. And one of those things is the way that we engage with mobile technology. And so, uh, you know, the reality is uh, the effectiveness of the tools that you use are there to help make your ministry uh, better, but the tools should never be greater than the ministry itself. Sure. Does that make sense? And so in this case, we want to use things that are effective. And one of the things that we're seeing on a rapid scale is people's adoption and has been this way for actually a number of years, their mobile phones. So even how do we utilize that? Yellow Pages was great back in the 80s. It's not your effective tool anymore. So even being aware of some of those shifts can be really, really uh, helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And even as we've been seeing just the trends in mobile, which we've talked about on previous episodes as well, that, I mean, people really are on their, they're looking at mobile websites twice as much as they are their desktop website. So what's your website look like on a mobile phone? 
And that's not even coming into context of, hey, they're actually spending the majority of their time in mobile apps. Yeah. So those are, are great tools to, to even filter through of, of reaching your neighborhood. Yeah, and the danger if we don't is when we become as obsolete as some of the box stores that no longer exist. And I'm not going to name any names here on sure, this podcast, sure. but we all know bookstores and video yep. rental chains and things like that that didn't, and, and picture companies, photo sure. companies that, that don't exist today because they weren't aware of the larger societal shifts. And so it is a balance. What does my neighborhood need? But what is society at large also yep. moving toward? Yeah. Now, do you have any personal examples of even what this has meant for your ministry there at Thread Church? Yeah, so in our church, uh, again, our context, we're, we're in, in high-tech Amazon land, and so we have a number of people uh, working in those kinds of industries um, that strictly use their mobile phone. And so for us, um, we don't even take an offering in our service. Now, in other, in other you know, contexts that I've been in, that would have been not a great idea. But because of the one that we're in, it's actually more effective for us to have digital giving on our website um, and not even offer that in our service because people don't want to exchange money and things like that. They would just rather give how they're used to uh, in our context. Also, our mobile website needs to be incredibly good because 85% of the people that find us find us on a Google search on their mobile phone. And so even more than our desktop presence, we need to make sure that we are engaged into what people are actually searching for and the way that they're searching, and we want to meet them there in that space. That's so good. And and we are really just scratching the surface here, which is so exciting. Um, so really to sum up, I've got a couple questions that if you're listening, if you're watching, that you can take maybe even back to your team or, or just ponder yourself. But first, have you considered where your neighborhood or your context is headed or even its history so that you can better understand who you've been called to reach? Second, Are you actively looking to find where God is already moving in your neighborhood? Can you partner with them? You don't need to reinvent the wheel. And then finally, what new methods, tools, or ideas can you embrace to help you pivot or change what you're currently doing to become more effective? Well, we'll hope you will join us for these next few episodes as we dig into just the importance of knowing your context. If you haven't subscribed already, please do tell a friend or a coworker about it, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Equip and Engage, where we're sharing insights learned from thousands of conversations with leaders and pastors around the world. To follow along with these conversations, subscribe today or visit our website.